Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, January 20th. I'm Desiree Frazier, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Mississippi inches closer to a medical marijuana program and the case for and against elimination of the state income tax. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The Mississippi State House has passed an amended medical marijuana bill. As MPB's Kobe Vance reports, this takes the state one step closer to having a functional medical cannabis program. Before House lawmakers voted to pass the Mississippi Medical Cannabis Act, several changes were made to the bill in committee. The Drug Policy Committee amended the measure to transfer all oversight from the Department of Agriculture and Commerce to the Department of Health, as well as restructure zoning regulations. The amendment also tightened restrictions on how much marijuana a participant can purchase in a week. Republican Representative Lee Yancey chairs the committee. He says this reduces the total amount of purchasable marijuana from 3.5 ounces per month to 3 ounces. And so we're coming in in a cautious way to start a program and see how it goes and get our reports back each year and see if we need to increase it. Let there be more testing, more research. And, and let, let the, the science catch up with the politics, if you will. In the original ballot initiative voted for by Mississippians, the monthly limit for medical marijuana would have been five ounces. This most recent version of the bill cuts those allotments by 40%. Jonathan Brown is director of Grassroots Community Headquarters, which gathered signatures for the original ballot initiative. He says this is a decent foundation since the governor was calling for much stricter limits. If I had my druthers, it would be still at five ounces a month for sure. Um, I think that three ounces is a reasonable compromise with what the governor was asking for, which was really beyond the pale. And so um, I think this is a sign to the governor that the legislature is negotiating in good faith. And so while it's not optimal for patients, there's room to change that later in future sessions. All attempts to mend the measure in the House chamber failed including amendments that would strengthen restrictions on lawmakers participating in the cannabis industry or allowing farmers to grow marijuana outdoors. Kobe Vance, MPB News. Coming up, the case against eliminating the state income tax. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. 
Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Mississippi's House of Representatives last week passed a sweeping tax reform bill that included, amongst other cuts, a total elimination of the state income tax. House Speaker Philip Gunn has had the income tax in his crosshairs all year. He was jubilant after the vote. The vote was 96 to 12. Overwhelming statement by the House of Representatives. Simply what this bill does is, is work to eliminate the income tax, put money back in the pockets of the people, works to cut the grocery tax in half, and works to cut the car tag. So this puts substantial money back into the pockets of the people. There is no downside to allowing our citizens to keep more of their hard-earned money. As Gunn alludes to, the bill did earn robust bipartisan support. But not everyone is convinced tax cuts are in the best interest of the state. Kamali Gadas is a policy analyst at the Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy. I have a lot of concerns. Um, one I would say is that we can't ignore that there is a huge political angle here. The Mississippi House is trying to make it look like this tax cut package will primarily benefit low and moderate income income folks. But as a share of income, this is just a total tax giveaway to the rich. Uh, nearly a third of the net $1.5 billion tax change, and it'll actually cost more than that over time, goes to the top 1% of earners. And then half of the tax change goes to the top 5%. So I think that a lot of people think that because there's this grocery tax cut, oh, um, and then, you know, the the change to the car tag, that this is going to be really cutting taxes for everyone else. But again, if you look at it as a share of income, um, it is very much a tax giveaway to the top. And the idea that low-income residents and seniors are going to be coming out on top after all these changes is laughable. And actually, the only group that's really going to be paying a lot more, um, not a lot more, but that's going to be actually paying more in taxes after everything are lowest income earners, people who are making less than $20,000. And then also seniors, seniors who aren't paying income taxes right now, people who are retired on fixed incomes, they're going to actually be paying more. And I think the other really big issue, the one that I, I really think that people aren't, aren't talking enough about, is that there is this idea that Mississippi can afford this because of the budget surplus. But this budget surplus is very temporary. It's very much because of federal, federal aid that was given, and that's not going to come every year. House Speaker Philip Gunn, this is really his his deal. Um, he wanted to phase out the income tax last year, but there wasn't quite enough support. This year, the majority of the House voted for it. He said this is going to put more money in people's pockets. They'll have more money to spend if they are not paying income tax. What's wrong with that logic? There's a lot wrong with that logic. For a lot of people who, you know, make median income in Mississippi, okay, maybe they will have about $60 more at the end of the year, maybe $80 more, maybe 200 But then you look at, uh, look at people who are earning, 
you know, $400,000, and they're going to be saving about $30,000. So I think we need to talk about, when you talk about putting dollars back into people's pockets, okay, there's a huge um, injustice here. And on top of that, we don't know how much Mississippi is going to be losing at the end, right? So we know that this is going to cost, at minimum, $1.5 billion. So what does that actually mean? That means that, you know, there might be school closures. There's going to be huge government layoffs. You know, there could be, you know, less money going to localities. You know, the speaker has talked a lot about the reductions in the car tags. Well, and then there's this promise that, oh, you know, that the state will provide more aid to localities to make up for this revenue. But that's temporary. When there's a shortage, the first thing that's going to go is going to be state aid for localities. And localities are going to be left making up this revenue. It is a completely unsustainable promise. What about the sales tax? The sales tax will increase. Will that offset the budget? No, no. I mean, we're talking about this $1.5 billion loss, and that includes um, that sales tax increase. So the sales tax increase is going to be causing people who have less money to be paying more as a share of income. But on top of that, you know, this sales tax increase, when you look at that compared to how much is going to be lost through the income tax, it is just going to be a drop in the bucket. Which I should mention so, will change from 7% to 8.5%. Right. And so I think one really important thing to understand in Mississippi is that, you know, this is a very regressive tax system. People who have less money end up paying more as a share of income. And the only thing that is actually making it, you know, that is helping towards making this a little bit more fair is the income tax. If you get rid of the income tax, then you are just putting a higher and higher burden on people who make less. This is exactly what is going to exacerbate existing um, wealth inequalities, racial inequities. If you take away that income tax, all it means is that people who make a lot of money already, the people who have been unaffected by the pandemic, people who have kept their jobs because they've been able to work remotely, they're suddenly going to be bringing in another $10,000 while someone you know, who makes very little, okay, great, they might be saving $15 or $20. It is just not fair. What is the state to do? You have Tennessee, Texas, Florida, that Mississippi competes with for business to build the economy. And the argument is that we need to get rid of this income tax to draw people who would want to live here because also the population is declining. Plus, try and draw new business. Businesses came out last year saying that a lot of these, you know, income tax elimination is not what drives businesses. If you look at where there are lots of businesses, you know, in California, in New York, in New Jersey, you know, places, people are attracted to places where there is a strong educated workforce, you know, where you have great schools, where you have great neighborhoods, where you have, you know, lots of good standard um you know, quality housing, um, these are the things that attract people. Having lower taxes, you know, creating a place where there's like no infrastructure, where there are potholes on the streets, that is not what actually drives both residents and businesses. There's just no truth to that. What would you, if you could talk to legislators, suggest Mm -hmm. or encourage them to do to build the economic base in the state? I believe that there is 
so much that Mississippi can be investing in right now. Mississippi is not in any type of place to be cutting taxes at a time when Mississippi is already trying to privatize their parks. You know, that there are so many health care needs. Mississippi could be, you know, expanding Medicaid right now, could be putting in lots of money for education. Um, you know, there are just, it could be, we talk about um, how teacher salaries are going to be increased. What is the point of increasing teacher salaries when cuts might make the entire education system more unstable and there might be layoffs later? Mississippi can be investing in so many different things that makes life more quality, like that actually makes it being a place that people are attracted to. And all of that takes money. Kamalika does. Thank you so much for your time in speaking with us. Yeah, thank you. Coming up on the other side of the income tax debate, this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Jason Klein for Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Before the break, we heard from Kamalika Das of the Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy make the case against income tax elimination in Mississippi. Now we hear from a tax hawk, Russ Latino, who's president of a lobbying group called Empower Mississippi. He he says slashing taxes isn't reckless. In fact, it's an intentional investment in the long-term economic well-being of the state. I think what we should be trying to do as a state is to create an environment that people who are coming up through school or people who are currently working Uh, every day in our communities, look at Mississippi as a place that they want to invest their whole lives, and that people who live in other states that are looking for a great place to live look at Mississippi as a place that they want to invest their lives. If you look at the problems that are facing Mississippi, Desiree, you know, one of the biggest problems that we've got is that our labor force participation is very low, and then we have the lowest wages in the country. So the economic opportunity that would create that environment for people is lacking. And when I look at the states that don't have income taxes, and there are nine currently, and there are eight states that are considering going that direction right now, what you see are states that have had population growth that doubles the national average, something like nine of the 10 counties with the largest population growth over the last decade been in states with no income taxes. You see economic growth that dwarfs national averages, not only in terms of wages and gross domestic product, but also in terms of revenue collected by the state itself. And so there's an environment in those states that is working right now. And we believe that a big part of that is the idea that we're not punishing people's productivity by taxing their income in those states. And so when you're looking for something that would be transformative and bold and create an environment where people would have more resources to invest in their families and their businesses and their communities, the elimination of the income tax is done correctly, we believe can be a real spark in Mississippi. Mississippi is a very rural state, as you know. 
uh, wages are lower here. Uh, population is declining. Most of the states that have eliminated their income tax have a number of urban areas where the bulk of their populations live. I mean, look at Florida. I mean, they've got Disney World. They've got Universal. They've got huge urban centers, Texas, Dallas, Austin, Houston, Tennessee, Nashville, Memphis. There is a concern that Mississippi really can't afford it, and we don't have the urban areas to support removing that $1.5 billion or so dollars out of the budget. Yeah, so I think there are a few things to point out, that the, the states that don't have income taxes weren't always what they presently are. You know, I, I think Tennessee is actually a great example or comparison that you've got Nashville, you know, certainly had population around country music and some of that industry. Um, but really, Nashville as as a town has taken off gangbusters over the last decade to two decades. And so some of it is not just looking at those places as what they currently are, but recognizing how far they came and part of the reason that they came that far is that people who had capital saw it as a place where it made sense to invest capital or the ROI would be higher. And so I don't think on day one, if we eliminate the income tax, we're suddenly going to have Nashville or Orlando or that we're going to be Texas. Um, but I think it certainly creates a much more competitive environment. Uh, for people who are looking for a good quality of life, low cost of living, and favorable you know, sort of status for, for investment. I would tell you in terms of the question about, you know, can we afford to do this? I mean, I think you could twist that and say, can we afford not to do something bold? Because as, as you pointed out, we're one of three states that are losing population. We start in a place with very low incomes. You know, I think sometimes it's, it's easy to forget the difference between how healthy is government and how healthy is the population. And what we should be striving for is policy that allows for government to serve its core functions and simultaneously allows for the private sector to thrive. And we think that's something that eliminating the income tax can do. Now, let me also say quickly that the way the bill is designed is it's not designed to create a $1.5 billion or $2 billion hole in the budget. It's designed relatively smartly insofar as there's an offset around sales tax or a partial offset around sales tax. So in year one of the bill, you'd have about a billion dollars in income taxes cut. So most working Mississippians um, would not be paying any income taxes in year one. Um, and then the offset is about $750 million in sales tax increases. You also have the grocery tax going down to 4%, car tax being cut in half. So we're not talking about ripping the Band-Aid off all at once and saying we're creating a $2 billion hole. What we're talking about is a partial offset combined with the fact that the state is sitting on a billion-dollar surplus right now. And, and certainly, while we think that will go down a little bit, um, levels are going to stay elevated for a number of years in terms of the amount of revenue that's being brought in. Critics uh, say that the sales tax is not as stable as the income tax. It can fluctuate. And also looking at how it is going to affect already uh, low-income folks, they are not going to benefit. The argument is under this because 
they may get a little bit more money, but it's not going to be enough to really improve their condition. So are we really helping all of Mississippi, or is this a benefit for people who already have money? So I think that criticism is is not well-rooted in economics. Most economists, whether they're on the left or the right, would tell you that consumption taxes and sales taxes are the most efficient and stable form of taxation because people have to consume a basic amount of goods and services in order to survive. And you see that as an example that even during the pandemic, when, when a lot of people weren't able to earn incomes, they were still consuming. So if, what you were, if you were to look at stability as a factor in taxes, sales taxes are far more stable uh, than income taxes and the fluctuations that tend to occur with income taxes and upturns and downturns in the economy. The other thing that is an advantage around sales taxes is that it doesn't require the same level of sort of bureaucracy or apparatus around it. Sales taxes occur at the point of sale, so it's super efficient. Uh, you don't have you know complicated income tax returns. You don't have hundreds of workers um, you know at the Department of Revenue trying to figure out whether or not returns are accurate. It's an automatic calculation at the point that you buy something. The other thing is that it largely prevents tax evasion. So there is a segment of the population that operates off of cash income, and sometimes those people don't report that income. Um, and so sales tax is more efficient in that way. In terms of the argument about regressivity, which I think is what you're alluding to on, on low income or, or middle income folks, what we see is that the way that the bill is designed, particularly with the grocery tax cut, uh, down to 4%, and particularly with the car tag cut down to 50%, that the end result across all income classes is going to be a net tax reduction. So it's not accurate to suggest that by raising the sales tax a cent and a half, which still puts us lower than all of our surrounding states, economists talk about that as capacity. Um, so we've got more capacity than the surrounding states do. Um, but by raising it by 85 to 8.5%, you're not paying more on items that are subject to the sales tax than you are the gain that you're getting from the reduction in the grocery tax and the reduction in the car tax. And that's before you even consider the impact of actually having some of your income taxes eliminated. And let me say this. If income taxes are eliminated on somebody that's got $30,000 in taxable income, they spend about what they, the average person spends on groceries. They spend about what the average person spends on items that are subject to the, the general sales tax, that person is looking at a total of about $1,350 in tax savings once the bill is fully implemented. If somebody was making a little bit more, let's say you get a married couple making 70 grand or 80 grand in taxable income, that person is going to save somewhere between $3,500 and $3,700 if they're in the range of average when it comes to what they spend on groceries, what they spend on car tags, and what they spend on items that are subject to, to the sales tax. So, I think it's inaccurate to suggest that the bill's designed in a way to be regressive. I think it's also inaccurate to suggest that sales taxes themselves aren't stable. Most economists would absolutely disagree with that. Russ Latino sits on Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Board of Directors.
This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Stick around for a full morning of Mississippi Radio. Coming up at 9, it's Creature Comforts. Then at 10, it's an autocorrect. And at 11, don't miss Southern Remedy. Find past installments of this and other Think Radio shows online at mpbonline.org. I'm Desiree Frazier. See you tomorrow at 830 for the next Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio. Have a good day. Stay warm.